Good morning and welcome to part four of generosity. As Sue and Owen mentioned, uh, I feel like this has been a significant series for me personally in terms of just my own study, my own preparation, and, and I'm hoping for many others in our congregation as well. I want to encourage you, please, probably like in few other seasons uh, or series ever, that if you've missed a week, this is one of those series that you can't miss a week. Like it builds on one another. So if you weren't here for one of the weeks, this is our fourth and final installment. Uh, week one, our national leader, Byron Chicken, just laid a wonderful foundation with just sharing some principles of wisdom relating to our hearts and how we approach money. Week two, I took a look at provision, and I cannot encourage you strongly enough that unless we get that part, unless we understand how good and faithful and kind God is in how he provides for us and how he's given us the ability to uh, earn an income or to have what we have, without that understanding, I think it's almost impossible for our approach to money not to be religious not to be formulaic, not to be, in some cases, even superstitious. And I'm including Christians, Christians that have like a superstitious fear around, did I tick that box? Did I get that? Guys, we need to start with, he's our provider, he's good, he's faithful, he's kind, and everything I do is a response. It's a grateful response. It's not to try and convince or earn. It's saying, no, no, God, you've already given, you've already blessed. I want to, I want to thank you. I want to, I want to steward well what you've given me. It matters. Last week, we took a look at what, for many of us, is probably the more sensitive or uh, controversial of topics as it relates to money and church and the Bible. And I looked at, I did the best I could to try and acknowledge some of the different passages and tensions and views as it relates to the idea of tithing. Tithing literally meaning 10% of whatever. So in this case, money, and I tried to answer as many questions as I could, including the question, do I have to? I try to answer that question. In case you weren't here, spoiler alert, I said you don't have to, in that it's not a salvation issue. This isn't so much a moral issue as what I believe it is a maturity issue and how we handle our finances, just like every other area of our lives, is actually about maturity, about discipleship, about formation, about us recognizing and responding to God's invitations to do the next right thing. And so we looked at some of the principles around that in terms of priority, percentage, and progression. And today, I want to wrap it up looking at another two Ps, in case you didn't notice a trend, okay? I do like, is that alliteration? You guys are a tough crowd. I'm just telling you right now. All right, a couple more Ps, and we're going to take a look at where planning comes into it, and then God's promise, and we'll wrap up again with where we started, which is that He is our provider. But before I get into that, so just so you know, again, this isn't about what you have to do. Can I, I don't know how to say that any more clearly. This isn't about what you have to do. I want you to understand and catch what God might invite you to do, and that'll look different for different people. And... This might sound like such a cliche, but I I genuinely don't think it's about what you have to do as much as what we get to do, how we get to be a part of God's plan, how we get to be a part of God's purposes, how we get to partner with God in blessing someone, encouraging someone, meeting a need uh, in, in different areas, and the applications, the implications, the iterations are stacks. It's not a one-size-fits-all. That's why we don't want you to compete and compare with someone else. If you're going to look at someone else, 
It's great if there's an inspiration, but not if it's a competition, not if it intimidates, not if it causes you to be discouraged and to feel like, like you have to prove yourself in some kind of way. No, no, this is all, in my opinion, invitational. So here is a thought that I'd like to sink in for a little bit. A generous person is a happy person. Now, depending on whether or not we agree with that and how quickly we agree with that or disagree and how quick we are to want to qualify that may be some kind of reflection on how we define generosity or how we define happiness. So allow me just to look for a moment at the words of Jesus recorded in Acts 20 verse 35, the second half of the verse. This is Jesus speaking when he says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, that might sound like something that your grandmother says to you or your mother says to you, just like, you know, stop you from fighting with your siblings. Gosh, just be kind, okay? Like, it's, it's, more, it's more blessed to give than to receive. We had a, in fact, he actually leads the Assemblies of God in England now, uh, who, who acknowledged the one day that when he was leading youth, he, was, he got a little bit, you know, excitable and um, was trying to, you know, encourage people that God blesses and as well. And he's like, what fool says it's more blessed to give than to receive? Until he realized that it was Jesus. He hadn't, he hadn't read that part in, in the book of Acts yet, which he, which he acknowledged and, and apologized for. But think about this, okay? This isn't your grandmother, this is God. The word blessed actually means happy. The, the original word in Greek that we translate into English is makarios, and it means to actually be happy. Now think about this. Again, this isn't just a sentimental thought. There's something liberating, life-giving, releasing, freeing to be able to steward what we have well, but to also be able to hold on to things in an appropriately loose way, not in an irresponsible way, not in a squandering way, but just, God, this is all yours anyway. Everything I have is yours, my life, my gifts, my relationships, my influence, my agency in the world my money, my education, everything, God, everything is yours. I'm, I'm holding it open-handed as opposed to tight-fisted. It's a very different heart posture. And again, please remember, I think I mentioned this last week or the week before, that God, when he originally tried to bring his people out of Egypt and prepare them for the promised land, he was trying to renew their minds from that of slaves, which is very much about, I'm, I'm only gonna be abused and used it's a fear-driven mentality. Nothing in a slave's mind is like is going to hold on to something loosely because there's so much fear and insecurity around only ever being abused and misused. And God was trying to help them change their mindset to, okay, we have a provider. It's no longer the slave drivers. It's our provider. I mean, there were so many miraculous interventions, water from a rock, food that would arrive every morning outside their tents to just, to just keep encouraging them, guys, I'm your provider. You can start to loosen the grip. And so there's a part of generosity that I think should just fall under the word kindness. Like, it's just kind. We want to be a blessing. We want to be encouraging. We want to partner with God and, and His purposes in the world we want to be kind. A generous person is a happy person. Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25 says the following. I want to read in a couple of versions. In the NIV, it says, one person gives freely yet gains even more. That messes with any accountant's head, I know, because it, it doesn't make sense. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. 
A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. In the New Living Translation, it puts it this way. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And then Eugene Peterson, for the win, in his message, paraphrase. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. I'm just telling you that there is something about your inner world that grows when there is a sincere, sincere, not, there's no manipulation, it's not transactional, it's, there, there are no strings attached, it's because we've received that we want to give. When there's a generosity, when there's a generous spirit, there is a, there's a, there's a largeness that comes about it. And maybe you've known people that have like messed with your heads because they're just so open-handed. You're like, like, like it stresses you out that they can be so relaxed and open-handed. And then all of us know people, probably, I don't know, hopefully not actually, that are so toit. Like the world is just so small, like their butt cheeks are clenched. Like it's just, uh, it's like, hmm. you want to give them like a laxative, just like relax, you know, just... And, and by the way, I'm not talking about people that don't have much. Generally, I mean, probably a lot of the time you'd find that, that the level of wealth or poverty is not the biggest factor. People can have a lot, but they just, man, like you don't want anything from them because you just feel like, like it's so hard to like pry that finger open because they're offering you a Coke. It's like, it's okay, you keep your Coke. Following Jesus is an invitation to a large world. It's open-handed. It's, it's large-hearted. It's soft-hearted. It's, when, guys, we're not slaves anymore. And some of you are thinking, oh, wasn't that like a couple of thousand years ago? No. It's 2020 flipping three. Where because of our identity and how we see ourselves, we can still live with just as much fear and anxiety and, and holding on to what we have, just like those first Israelite slaves did when they came out of Egypt. I think that God would invite us to a larger world. Today, I want to take a look. In fact, before, before I do, before I do, let me just go back for a quick recap. Week number two, I looked at provision and how God is the one who gives to us his provision, His kindness fuels our giving. Gratitude fuels generosity. But there's a passage or, or a quote that I don't want you to miss. Uh, I was actually reading a, I started reading a book recently called Sacred Fire by Ronald Rollheiser, which is all about giving your life away. Uh, he's lost, okay, don't worry about what his last book's going to be. Um, and at the very beginning of the book, there's a quote from a 16th century Spanish uh, religious reformer called Teresa of Avila, and she said that when, when one reaches the highest degree of human maturity, one has only one question left. How can I be helpful? How can I be helpful? And that is an attitude. Imagine, imagine waking up most days just with this mindset of saying, God, how can I be helpful today? Help me, help me to be alert. Help me to have that, to have that radar wand just searching, that little... Like just, 
just open for business, just sensitive to you, not irresponsible, just sensitive to you. Imagine living a life, and I don't know how many people get to this. I don't know, to be honest, if the average person ever gets to this. But imagine if more and more people got to this stage earlier in their lives where, where, it's, where, where they're done with having to grasp and grab and promote themselves and to where you can actually get to a place of acceptance, contentment, release to where you're saying, okay, God, whatever else you want to do or give, great, but how can I be helpful? How can I be helpful with my life? Then we looked at how our giving should take priority. I think it's really, really healthy. It's best practice for it to be a percentage. And then we simply made reference to progression, how our stages or seasons of life and our needs might change. And so you may get to a stage where you have more available and, and maybe God's inviting you to progress. Today, quickly, I want to just take a look at the, the role that planning actually comes into our generosity. I think sometimes we can feel as though, like, like if the archangel Gabriel shouts at us from heaven, like we'll, we'll do what we have to do. But actually, there's a way to plan. We can order our lives around generosity. When, when we plan, we can be good stewards of the money that we do have. We budget, we record, we review. Without planning, we're going to struggle to save. We're going to struggle to tithe. We're going to struggle to give. We're going to struggle to meet our obligations. And by the way, I want to make this abundantly clear. It is a godly, biblical, honorable principle to honor your obligations. As much as you possibly can. Obviously, if circumstances change, if you're retrenched, you lose your job, uh, COVID happens, there are circumstances that are out of our hands. But can I just take a, a quick pastoral moment to tell you that if you consciously are not honoring your commitments and obligations to others, but you are trying to honor God by, by, by blessing here and being kind there and being generous there, I think that that's a superstitious approach to how we handle our money. If you, if you owe the bank money, do everything you can to pay the bank. If you owe the school money, do everything you can. Now, there are times where you can't and where you apply for bursaries and debt relief and all that kind of stuff. But guys, this, I want us to have a holistic picture of how we honor God holistically. We cannot override the principles of God in order to achieve the purposes of God. So maybe the purpose of God is that we live gen generous lives, but the principles of God is that we take responsibility for those things that we've committed to, that we've entered into. If if you've committed to a rent, you do everything you can to pay that rent. Otherwise, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul if you are wanting to use that money to feel good about yourself somewhere else. Does this make sense? Yeah. Okay, all right. So, it does require planning. Paul, at the end of his first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 16, verse 2, says, on the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. The context here is that Paul is... Paul has been encouraging them to take up a significant offering to help the Christians in Jerusalem who have been struggling tremendously. They've been persecuted. They don't have enough food. They don't have enough money. And so he's invited them to be a part of blessing them, helping look after them, being a part of that offering. And the point that he's making to them is don't wait until the last moment to now try and find what you've got. They were obviously earning on a weekly basis. Put, put, put it aside weekly. In other words, be intentional. This, this requires planning, this requires 
budgeting and planned spending allows us to even know if we've got margin to be generous, to be kind. Or if we need to shave off something, maybe we need to change something. It helps us to, to actually free up. Planned spending actually allows us to give spontaneously because, because we've actually got margin. So, so when an opportunity comes up, when a need comes up, when you feel like God's prompting you just to be kind to someone, because there is some planning attached, you're able to give 10 rand or 1,000 rand or 100 rand or whatever the case is. So three quick principles or ideas under this banner of planning. Number one is that we need to check our means. We need to actually check our means. So how much do we have? You can't give what you don't have. We need to check our means. A budget helps us to know our income, our expenditure, especially if we are reporting expenditure and reviewing and adjusting. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 11. Again, Paul is speaking and he says, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Again, he's talking about the offering for Jerusalem. He's like, you, you do what you can to, to bring to completion this intention, but it's according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable, according to what one has, not according to, one, to what one does not have. It's according to your means. That's why you don't have to compare and compete with someone else. Only God knows all your circumstances, all your different needs, all the, all the other things he's put onto your heart, but, but we're holding on to it with an attitude of surrender. And let me just say, I want to be blatantly clear, when it comes to planning, when it comes to looking at our means, there is a healthy place for savings, for appropriate insurances, and I can't tell you what that should be. You, you need to decide that. For some people, no amount of life insurance is enough. You have to, you have to discern with God. Like, at what point have you done what is reasonable and is not actually becoming like a hoarding thing. If you're in a position where you, where you feel a peace about taking out a medical aid, like, that's okay. You're allowed, to, you're allowed to put money aside to have fun. Again, as long as... These are principles we have to check our heart. If I'm idolizing traveling the world and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and that's becoming my source of fulfillment and content, well then, I've got to check that and change that. If... if, if putting aside 40% of my income every month towards retirement annuity, that's probably an indication of my level of fear, not my level of, you know, appropriate stewardship. So I can't tell you what it should or shouldn't be. I'm telling you, though, that, that it is okay to want to feed your family, to want to, to, want to do something fun, or to, to, you're even allowed to have a holiday. Like, if you're allowed, you know, if you can afford that. But I'm saying within all of these things, again, we, we're lifting it all up, saying, God, please will you direct me. Give me wisdom. Help me to budget according. Budgeting is a very spiritual exercise. So is your calendar, by the way. No two things will say more about my priorities, my values, than my budget and my calendar. It's, a, it's probably a far healthier assessment of where you are with God than your church attendance, how much of the Bible you know, all, all of which are good things, but 
how, how I spend my life, which has a lot to do with my income and expenditure and my time. What I give my attention to leads to formation. What, what I'm prioritizing, what I'm giving myself to, these are things that give me a pretty good idea of whether or not I'm following Jesus, whether or not He is the center of my life. So we need to check our means. Second, we need to check our motives. You can do something really good, but if it's not motivated by love, again, it could be superstition, which, by the way, isn't far off from witchcraft. Just want to throw that in there. It is scary to me how many Christians in South Africa can, can manage attention of what we call dualism, where, where, where there's so many aspects from our cultures, and we've got so many different cultures. A culture can be materialism. A culture can be African traditional religion and, and ancestral worship. A culture can be any number of things. And, and, where, the, and where culture and our relationship with God, like, like we've, we've kind of tried to find a way to intertwine it. So we can do the right thing as we tick a box, but the motive is actually out of fear, superstition. God, you better bless me. Like, remember, I think last week we spoke about sense. Like, God, oh, I think I might have got like, the, the last five cents wrong. Are we okay? Like, that, that's reflecting, I think, a, a heart that is not quite in the space of safety and security that I think God wants us to have. If it is out of duty only and there's no delight, it's probably religion. If it is in order to try and earn God's uh, pleasure or love instead of responding to his ridiculous love and kindness, it's religion. Yeah. If it's because I have to, so much more than I get to, it's religion. And just so you know, we all work through those phases as we keep trying to mature. So please, please don't be discouraged if, if some of that's true. There have been many times in my life where I've listened to someone share stuff. I'm like, oh, that's exactly where I am right now. Don't be discouraged by that. Let it, let it be something that, that just, it's like going to the doctor and them telling you this is what your blood pressure is. Don't get mad at the doctor and don't be discouraged. Just, it's a fact. It's, it's an indication that maybe I need to do something about my blood pressure, which I don't, by the way. Just using that as an example. <laughs> So, it is according to our means and according to our motives. Again, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 12. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. Does that mean that some gifts are not acceptable by God? That's worth thinking about. Moving on. The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says, you must each decide in your heart. You need to decide. In other words, it's on you. That's why I, I actually don't feel the pressure to tell you what you have to do. I really don't. I feel like my responsibility is to, is to do the best I can to explain a biblical approach to the best of my ability, but guys, it's between you and God. It's between me and God. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. 
Don't give in response to pressure. Manipulation is not from God. It is actually, quite literally, from the other place. Manipulation is so destructive. And that is not God. If If you're ever feeling manipulated, just stop. Pause. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So our motives could be that we feel like, God, this is... This is, this is a way for me to express gratitude, or this is a way for me to invest in the kingdom, or this is a way, this is a, way for me to be kind to someone, or this is a way for me to, to, to steward well some of the privilege or, or benefits that, that I have, and I, and I want to share it. I want to hold on to it loosely and, and be generous and, and steward well the responsibility that's been given to me. You might feel prompted to encourage someone, or there might just be days where God it might not even be God. Is it okay if it's not God for you to just be kind? That's kind of a rhetorical question. The, the inferred answer is yes. It's okay. Can you imagine if I only ever expressed kindness to my family when God tells me to? You would question whether or not I love my family. So is it okay for us to just love people and to just be kind? So... so these are some of the motives. I love what our late national leader, Donovan Christie, used to call grace giving. Like, it's okay to just, for just to be grace, just a grace gift to someone. Just to, quite literally, just to bless. Just to spoil someone. Of course, there are some negative uh, motives. Some of you might be familiar with the story in the book of Acts recorded about Ananias and Sapphira, who, who tried to appear noble and humble. They, they sold their property, and brought, um, I, th- I think it could have been even the, the, the majority of, of the sale, but they didn't bring the whole sale, but they wanted to convince everyone that they brought the full price. In other words, the motive was pride. The motive was looking a certain way. Now, for those of you that don't know the end of the story, they died, okay? Not a great advertisement for come and join the new believers, the new followers of Jesus. Um, in fact, in fact, the Bible says that like a healthy level of fear and sobriety fell over Jerusalem. It's like, whoa, you mean we can't mess with God? Well, I really wouldn't. God won't be mocked. So I'm just saying, don't let it be for, for pride. Don't let it be because of what others are going to think of you. In fact, that's what Jesus was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount, recorded in Matthew 6, where he says, if you're giving, not when, he says, if you're going to give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And he wasn't speaking technically. He was speaking with, with, in, in a metaphor saying, don't do it in order to be seen. Like, don't let that be a motive. And if, and if you're not sure if that is an issue for you, then consider doing it completely anonymously, you'll find out very quickly. And I don't mean that facetiously. I mean, I mean, you might find it really freeing to actually be able to just give something to someone without them knowing who it is, without anyone knowing who it is. No one's like, Whew. you and Jesus, man, you guys are tight. You're if, if that is why we're doing it, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, if the reason we're doing that, if the reason we're doing it is to be seen, he's, he's, he's like, well, you've got your reward. He's not saying that it won't help someone or bless someone. He's just saying, well, you've got your reward. But if you're doing it to please your Father in heaven who sees everything, well, that's going to be a different type of reward in eternity. The third idea there is to check the measure you use. So, again, this is similar to even what we spoke about last week with a percentage. I was reading a story recently about um, 
uh, his name is slipping my mind now. He, he was the founder or co-founder of Oracle, sixth or seventh richest person in the world, someone. Tyrone, you're letting me down right now. Say again? Yes, Larry Ellison. You're out, you're in. Thank you. Um, Larry Ellison, I mean, I was just, I just, just reading up some stuff about him recently. Where, I mean, he's given like hundreds and hundreds of millions uh, of dollars away. Um, but, but, then, but then part of the article was explaining that it's 1% of what he has. Now, now, is that a blessing to the institutions that receive the funds? Absolutely. I don't know if that's generosity. It might be, because I don't know his heart. God knows his heart. But I'm just saying, when you put it into perspective, when you, when you consider the measure, so the measure is, hey, guys, I've given a billion dollars away. So it's kind of like a wonderful friend. I'm, I'm still enjoying the other night's line. So, okay, cool, thank you. I mean, let's be grateful. But, but, let's, but let's not, you know, weep tears of, like, awe at how generous. Okay, I'm so, listen, I'm so sorry. I'm going on leave today. I don't mean this to sound sarcastic and, like, edgy. I'm just telling you that we need to consider the measure. The measure. And that is why I think percentage, this is, this is me speaking personally. Percentage for me gives me perspective. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, Paul's writing again, he says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. The measure we use matters. Now again, not, not out of superstition, but, but I think it keeps coming back to the question of, is this generosity? That's all. Is this generosity? Just like we have to ask ourselves, ourselves other questions in seasons, like, is this humility? Is this compassion? So it's not just about what we do, it's what drives what we do. So, we give not just because God is our provider. We don't just consider things like priority, percentage, progression, and, and taking a planned approach, but also we give, hopefully, in response to prompts. Prompts of God's Spirit. If we are planning that there is, and again, guys, it could be, like maybe you just plan that there is 10 rand available. Maybe it's a lot more. Maybe it's less. Again, it's a hard issue. Can you imagine if a bunch of Jesus followers, forget about this church or any name or brand, just, just Jesus followers in our community, can you imagine if stories started to pop up over and over and over again of these weird people that seem to go to the shops on a Monday looking for someone to just give some money to? Or they get onto a bus or taxi on a Tuesday, like, like they're looking for someone to give money to. And it's not just the person with the saddest looking face, like they seem to really be quite... Consider it about this. Well, imagine coming to church on a Sunday and you're just saying, God, if there's no one, there's no one, but if there's someone for you that you want me to bless, just bring them to my attention. I think that that's a little bit of an adventure. I think, I think, I think that if we, are, if we are planning so that there's a little bit of margin, or a lot, depending, and we just, and we just open for business, we just, God, here I am, use me. And it doesn't, and again, it doesn't have to be a blatant prompt from God. It could be that you're just aware of a need and you want to just bless someone. I think that there is something so healthy about living 
with that kind of attitude. From what I understand, the majority of Jesus' miracles were in response to an interruption. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to have healthy boundaries, but I'm saying that there was something about Jesus' attentiveness and sensitivity. I don't think that Jesus was a rushed, harassed person. I think that as much as there might have been, there was a lot of fullness. There were full days. He got tired. There was a lot of stuff going on. It was the state of his soul was relaxed enough at peace enough to be able to recognize the kind of interruption that the Father wanted him to respond to. Because by the way, he didn't respond to every interruption. He didn't heal every person he came across. But there was a sensitivity to his prompts. Now, I want to just acknowledge that there are principles, there are biblical principles that I think we, again, I'm just speaking personally, this is how I approach this kind of thing. For the most part, like we know, realistically, you cannot give to every single person that you come across that is expressing a need, whether it's at a traffic light, whether it's outside in a car park, whether it's outside uh, a grocery store. You cannot realistically and sustainably give to every single person, okay? So, so there are principles. There are principles of stewardship. There's principles like, like in Scripture it makes reference to if you don't work, you don't eat. And there are times where I think that Christians work against God because we make it easy sometimes out of a false sense of compassion or, or guilt to maybe help someone that actually God's saying, like, I was just about to get them to come to their senses and actually put some effort in when that well-meaning Christian came and made it easy for them to stay where they were. So there are those principles. There's a principle of you don't work, you don't eat, or at least in this context, in today's socioeconomic climate, at least a willingness to work. I spoke with someone a couple of weeks ago who genuinely just seemed to have an incredibly tough, sad story on a number of levels. He's been unemployed for six months. And I don't, I don't have the answers. We, we did what we could materially in that moment. But I encouraged him with this idea of just you do what you can, trust God with what you can't. Yeah. So, so literally I said to him, maybe it's a case of for eight hours a day, five days a week, you just collect litter, put it into bins. Very few people are going to stop. I mean, I don't know if anyone's going to stop the person. Do I think that God will honor that if that's being done with the right heart and diligently? 100%. I am convinced. It doesn't have to make mathematical sense. It doesn't have to make socioeconomic sense. I'm telling you that God gives grace to the humble. So, so, these, so this is a principle that I believe in. But... If God prompts me, I 100% want to recognize and respond to that. And there, and there are going to be times where someone's asking you for something, and the prompt is to, to give and to even give generously. So I'm saying there are principles, but I really want to encourage you to be open to his prompts. And, and you also need to be okay with making mistakes. Hopefully they're small mistakes, like you haven't, you know, bet the whole house on a whim, um, I do think that, that from a principal point of view, if you're married, you need to, you and your spouse need to be open with one another about, about what the boundaries are, so maybe, maybe there's a pre-approved amount that you guys can give without speaking to each other, but then if it's something significant, you would need to speak to each other. Yeah. That's, that's a healthy principle. We are, we are not only allowed, I think God calls us 
to being sensitive to his prompts. But I don't think, for the most part, that we're able to respond to opportunities, that we're able to respond to needs if we're not planning. So if we're not drawing up a budget, recording our spending, reviewing that, and making little changes as we go along. And again, we have to be okay with making mistakes, but, but trying to make corrections as we go along. And then we end where we started, with provision. God is our provider. God is the one who gives us the ability or quite literally the actual provision. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. He's the one who provides. You'd, you don't have to do this. I want to be clear. You don't have to do this. But I want to encourage you to consider, to prayerfully, reflectively consider, God, are you possibly extending an invitation? Is there, is there an area of my finances? Is there an area of my life where you're calling me to, to actually be a good steward, where you're calling me to hold on to what I have loosely? And that's so relative to each person. But I think we get to be generous. I think it does something for our hearts. Because, by the way, one of the other questions is, but what if the people abuse it? If it's a gift, there are no strings attached. Yeah. If, if, if you're helping someone and, and you don't know if they're going to use it for drugs, alcohol, guys, I'm just telling you, if, you, if you're doing what you think you, you're supposed to do and it's, for the, and it's from, a, from the right heart, from the right motives, you're done. You're done. Yeah. Like, release, relax. Of course, there, be, there will be times in your life where you are kind or generous to someone and they, and they abuse and misuse that generosity. That's, got nothing, that's okay. You're done. And if you're doing it for the right reason, man, God blesses you and he provides even more. So I want to be clear. I, the, these principles are, are principles that I'm, I've always been so cautious and wary of wanting to read and preach on because I think it's so easy for us to, for it to affect our motives as if we're going to give to get. And, and the motive shouldn't be just so that, okay, if I give my 10, you say you're giving back 100, right? Like, there's something wrong with that motive. That's, that's not generosity, that's gambling, almost. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's trying to manipulate a system. But the Bible has many scriptures that tell us that this principle is true. It is real. You cannot outgive God. Yeah. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. The measure you use will be measured back to you. And He will continue to provide. I'm just telling you that I have seen God do this again and again and again and again. There are just so many examples in our lives where I've seen God just being outrageously kind. Yeah. I don't know that I could tell you that it's directly connected to that generosity there or that act of obedience there. Or, because again, then it becomes a formula. But I can tell you that as we try 
and fail and try and fail and try to put God first and to honor God. I'm just telling you, God has provided for us in ways that do not make sense. Seriously. Some of it has been thought out and planned. Others have been impromptu, like in the moment. But God has provided. I think of our youngest daughter who we fostered from, basically from birth until the age of eight. Like we, did, we had an hour or two, not even, to kind of make a decision because her and her birth mom were already living with us and circumstances had changed. So it's not like we had time to think and pray. It's, it, it was a need. And what was meant to be three months became six months, became eight years. We could not afford that at the time. Do you know that we never, ever bought a nappy? And those of you that have had babies know that they poo a lot and they wear a lot and you have to change a lot. We didn't buy a single nappy. God provided for uh, like creche and preschool and primary school. In fact, oh, I'm, like, I'm embarrassed to even say this because you're all very carnal and you're going to be jealous and you know, have, a, have a hard heart towards us. But, but um, I don't know. Uh, no, I'm, jo- well, I'm joking. I think, I don't know. I'm trying to think how, how old they were. Um, but anyway, some friends paid for us to go to Mauritius for seven days on all expenses, like three meals a day, eat as much as you can. Probably could drink as much as you wanted to, but that wasn't a thing for us. Like, like it was just outrageous. Madison, Taylor, Sunai. This was before Mesh moved in with us. I'm like, I can't explain that to you. We could never afford that. Ever. God has just been kind in so many ways. We had a lot more time to think and process and consider when we were considering adopting our, our oldest daughter, who was then a teenager already. And so, and so we, could, we could wrestle over some of these questions a lot more, where again, it's like, how do we afford it? We don't know what we don't know. We, we haven't had, like, none of our daughters are teenagers yet. We don't know, we don't know what kind of wisdom we're going to need. We don't know what kind of challenges we're going to face. And, and I just felt God impress on my mind again and again and again and again and again. If you take care of what I care about, I'll take care of what you care about. Like in the sense of, I'll meet your needs. Jason, if, you, if this is for the right heart, and by the way, I had to check my heart. I can remember one day, God, I think, I felt God prompting me, checking my heart, like, are you, are you trying to be a hero here? Like, are you trying to feel good about yourself? Or, or is this as an act of obedience? Whether or not this was God, I don't know, but, but maybe that's just my mind about continued, like, I, the thought continued for me of what if she turns around one day, gives you the middle finger and tells you, like, you ruined her life. Which I think God used to help me check my motive. There were things that helped Sue check her motive. And it made it so much easier for us to hold loosely onto wins and losses when we navigated teenagehood, young adulthood. I mean, Mish is 28 now, which is hectic. But anyway, that's all another story. Because, because I felt like God was, was, was so kind in helping us clarify the win, which is we're trying to obey God's prompting. And again, man, he provided. Provided for education, for opportunities, um, stuff that we couldn't do. I'm just telling you that we've given stuff away, we've been given a lot more. 
We've tried to serve and help. We've been served and helped and encouraged and blessed so much more. I'm just telling you that, that there are two different lives that we can live. One is an increasingly open-handed, large-hearted life. The other is an increasingly close-handed, close-fisted, small-hearted life. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. You don't want those tight butt cheeks. You, you want relaxed butt cheeks, okay? Like just, there must be some bounce, okay? Don't be toys. Come on, will you stand with me? You don't have to do this, but I want to encourage you to close your eyes and to open your hands as a symbolic posture of openness and surrender to God. And all I'm asking you to do is ask God. I've tried to share what I believe are principles. Hopefully you've noticed, I, haven't, I don't think there's been a single thing that I've told you that you have to do. Ask God if there's anything that he is bringing to your attention, anything that he is prompting you towards, anything that he's bringing back to your memory. Again, maybe it's just him reminding you of the many, many ways that he has provided, the many, many ways that he's taken care of you where maybe it was so chaotic that at the time you didn't even really, you weren't able to even stop and pay attention. But maybe for, for some of us, it's a reminder that he's actually entrusted us with resources and, and opportunities that he wants us to steward well, that he wants us to hold on to loosely. And for some of us, that'll be a very tangible commitment. For others, it'll just be a, a lifestyle, just, just a posture of open-handedness, where we're just open for business, where we, where we try and be diligent with, with our planning, our budgeting, our reviewing, our, our recording, but... And where, as we know what, what we have available, we, we try and, and just remain open with it. We go back to the idea of progression and we want to review from time to time, God, is there anything more that you wanted me to do? But I am increasingly convinced that a generous life is a large life. A generous life is a life that brings a level of freedom, a level of excitement, not it does not bring freedom from troubles and challenges and fears and, and doubts. I'm, I'm not advertising that. But I'm telling you that in the midst of chaos, in the, midst, in the midst of mystery, in the midst of the unknown, I'm telling you, man, when you put God first, He will take care of all your needs. Jesus made it clear. We don't have to worry about food and clothing. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all other things will be added to you. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart because your heart will be what He wants it to be. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and He will make your path straight. These are scriptures, man. 